that's part of like what my mission is, is to just help educate people. I think that's how we're going to improve this trade. What I'm trying to help people uh, through my content is that we as contractors, again, you've got to change your business. We got to slow down and I get it. We can't take care of as many customers. So dump the crappy ones and take care of the good ones. The ones that are going to help you make money. I didn't have any of those tools at my disposal it was years and years ago. And so they spent a couple of grand on some ductwork modifications. Didn't help. I was guessing. I oh, mean, I thought you were going to. Yeah. I you were going to say you fixed no. it. <laughs> no, it didn't. Hola, what's up, everybody? Welcome and welcome back to the Reliable HVACR podcast. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed, like, comment, you know, all that good stuff. If you guys are listening to this on the audio podcast, wherever you listen to it, please leave a review, uh, get this show out to more people. And if you guys are, are watching and listening, I truly appreciate it. We would not be here without you. Now, on that point, the first sponsor of the, of the uh, podcast, my favorite CRM, Jobber. Now, with Jobber, we can do professional invoicing and quoting you know at its base but it has so many more features you can schedule which we use for reoccurring maintenance so every six months this thing will remind us remind the customer uh there's so much more you can do to message customers set up reminders set up scheduling um you can do more with uh checking in and out you have price lists you have tons and tons of features if you guys need help uh organizing your business and helping it runs smoother. It's been night and day for us. We came from paper invoices. I looked at or into other softwares and there's a lot of complaints on other ones. And one of the big ones is affordability. Now with Jobber, they have really great prices. I, I promise you they have something for anybody starting and needs just the basics. And then as you grow, you can get into these um, much bigger plans and it grows with your business so if you guys are interested in looking more professional more being more organized it helps me get these invoices and billing out much quicker in turn you know we get paid quicker so if you guys are interested i can get you a free trial and discount if you go to getjobber.com slash reliable hvacr and another sponsor of the channel now is Vito. Vito pro pack hands down my favorite tool bags now, you guys have seen me rock um, several, a whole bunch of Vito bags, and uh, I have nothing but good things to say. Uh, if you ever have any issues with them, they do have a five-year warranty, but the quality is there. That's You're going to hear me say that a lot about Vito Pro Pack is the quality, the different kinds of bags and the thought process that goes into each of these bags now that I've seen how that how they design them and, and the stuff they're, they're thinking of putting out all the new stuff that comes out like they really want to cover every aspect or every need of any technician across many different skill trades whether you're a tech that carries a laptop you need a lot of uh, power tools or a lot of hand tools like they have a bag for you just some of the best bags i've ever had because i used to rip a lot of the other brands you see at the supply houses or that were there forever and now vita pro pack um second to none never had an issue go check them out so on tonight's episode, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Distacio. Now he's among that 
group of uh, really good educational content, you know, like the HVAC school, the AC service tech. And then you have Tim who does or specializes more in the airflow, air quality and building science, HVAC science, all that stuff. So I'm personally looking into it for our house, the air quality, the the proper sizing and design, all that. And this is somebody that I would trust um, because he tries to educate others on it. And he's been great. Talked to him a few times and, you know, lots of uh, he wants to help. So tonight we're going to have him on talking about the different things that he's done, going through his own thing of, of uh, running a business, getting out of that, getting into the educational side speaking training teaching all that good stuff and uh, you can find tim at tim distasio hvac on youtube instagram um, i found him on linkedin i'll leave all his socials where you can find him contact him take one of his classes see him speak you know all that i will leave it in the, in the description the show notes all that good stuff now enjoy the episode all right, Tim, how are you? I know you're a busy guy right now. <laughs> yeah, doing good. I um, just got back from the HVAC symposium, and uh, that was just an awesome learning experience and just uh, connecting with people that are online, that make a lot of content, that teach, and are passionate about high-performance HVAC, better HVAC, and oh, there's yeah. some exciting things that came out of it. So, um, yeah, it was a great trip down to Florida. Uh, I know, and I think you you went to the Atlanta AHR, but you didn't make it to this this last one, right? I didn't. Um, and I, and I was... missed you in Atlanta because I just started going to those two. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that stinks. <laughs> uh, well, I well next year it's in Orlando, and I will be oh, yeah. uh, there in Orlando because the HVAC School Symposium is also it's going to piggyback either before or after. So I'm just yeah. my wife and I are just going to travel down there and make a week out of it vacation but yeah i i went to atlanta because i'm on the east coast i'm in coastal north carolina and um i did not really have a warm and fuzzy about going up to chicago in january uh, and no yeah. nobody did <laughs> yeah and my dad had just gotten knee replacement surgery and i actually ended up kind of going and helping him out right around the time when people either when people would have been in chicago and, and stuff so it was just better that i didn't go this year but next year yeah. it's on for sure that's awesome uh, I just started going to those um, expos myself. You know, it's a, it's always a good time in the beginning because I went to the Vegas one and then the Atlanta one with my brother. Like those were really cool. We, we tried yeah. to walk the whole thing and, and take in everything that they, they had. And my brother was like super amazed at all the, yeah. the equipment, all the demos and everything. Yeah. This last time I went by myself and I just went and like found everybody to, to ca catch up with yep. and hang out with. That was uh, more of the goal that I had this time. Yep. And it, it was it's a great fun. time to get together and connect, but it is a heck of a show. I mean, to see all the new stuff coming out and yeah. it's impossible to see everything. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, the, but, the good thing is there's social media, right? I, I get back yeah. and I see everybody posting what they, what they found there. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, damn, I missed this or I missed that. <laughs> but like, it's, it's cool to still see it online and, and all that, oh, but yeah. Yeah. it's, it's a good time, man. And then like on my on my bucket list now is to do the the symposium one cuz AHR is cool and all that right yeah. but it's very hectic very yep. big a lot of walking this and that I, I really think I'm going to enjoy the uh the the more stripped down version of of that at the symposium cuz you still yes. have uh 
the companies that go out there and showcase stuff. Yeah. But then you're you're yeah. also like learning and and taking these little basically classes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you guys do up there. Yeah, it is the best bang for the buck as far as training. You are learning from the best in the business when it comes to technical stuff about not only refrigeration, cooling, electrical controls, uh, and even building science. And it's where a lot of the HVAC practitioners um, all congregate and we converge on Orlando, Florida or Claremont, Florida once a year. And we have a great time and it is pretty small. There's some vendors that show up uh, and have a tent out there. And on the last day of it, it's open even for families to come in and they've okay. got all the vendors that come in. So it is a really cool thing. I think Brian Orr is talking about expanding it just next year because of the influx of people that will already be in town for AHR. Because the oh, thing yeah. about the symposium is it sells out quick now. Um, it, I think tickets are going to go on sale in March. And as okay. soon as they come out, get them. Because uh, within a few months, they were sold out. And the only reason oh, really? I waited, the only reason why I was able to attend <laughs> in person, is that I was asked to be on a dehumidification panel uh, from Santa Fe and Haven. Uh, had a, awesome. an indoor air quality panel. Or else I would have been tying in virtually. I, I missed the boat. So lesson learned. Uh, I'm going to get them. Um, I didn't, I didn't even think about that because yeah i didn't think about that because i bought the the virtual ticket yeah um and, and like last year too and that's how i i get to see what's going on you know go check out yeah. my favorite um instructors you know yeah. yeah and you you got to speak on the panel but you're up there too you you do a lot of educational content uh just like craig migliaccio uh yeah. ty brenneman those are all my favorite people to learn from including yours it's just oh, yours is you. like uh air quality design uh usually that's what you deal with and that's really yeah. cool because we'll get into that in a bit that it's it's yeah. kind of a a thing that should be pushed a little bit more talked about a little bit more it's not a lot of people know how to do all that stuff right yeah i'm <laughs> passionate about it uh and i think everybody brings a different angle to it um i'm learning more about hvac design and indoor air quality uh and uh, building science diagnostics and so that's what i'm shooting content about because I'm in it every day. But when I look back at my early content, 2017, 2018, a lot of it was just like, <laughs> hey, I'm changing compressor out today because that's what I was doing. But I I don't run yeah. as many of those calls. I miss it sometimes. <laughs> but uh yeah. Well you had you had your own uh, your own business for a while, right? But how did you well let me go back a little bit further. How did you get into the trades, find it, find out about it? Because everybody everybody's story is a little bit different. You know, some yeah. people grow up around it, some people fall into it yeah um i got into hvac my senior year of high school uh, the local community college and tech there was like a little um vocational school that partnered up with the high schools around the area and they started offering hvac and so that was the first year and so we show up on day one and there's a bunch of equipment and ductwork and materials that are all on pallets and our instructor was just like, all right, I'm going to teach you a little bit in the classroom, but then we're going to start building this lab. And so we were installing and learning hands-on from day one, and I just fell in love with it. I didn't know which direction I was going to go in my career. I knew that I did not want to go to a four-year college, uh, just because even then, my parents, um, I credit them for being forward-thinking enough to to see that um, they're 
that college sometimes is not the right path for somebody that doesn't want to go into student debt, that there was a tremendous demand, even back in the late nineties for tradespeople, they saw the writing on the wall and said, you can make a great living and not have any debt. And the other baggage that sometimes comes with college and that whole experience. So um, I credit them for that. They encouraged me to take either electronics or HVAC. I took both my senior year and I loved both, but I, I saw a better future in HVAC. Um, yeah. and so that's what I did. And fortunately, I was able to uh, apply a lot of my high school credits to the community college um, that was also partnering there. So I was able to get my associate's degree, my two-year degree pretty quick. And then I got a job at a, a big industrial commercial, heavy commercial industrial company um, that was pretty well known in the area. So we're talking about you went, you late went night, straight into industrial Went straight into industrial <laughs> service. I mean, that, that's Dang. not a path. No, most people take, but I tell you, it was, no. um, it, it was a good path because, uh, um, it's it's very technical and you learn oh, yeah. a lot and also the great thing about industrial and commercial is you're not out there working for companies that um maybe just want you to sell things and so i just kind of learned yeah. that we we <laughs> got to get this going we got to you know we've we've got to fix this there's no replacing a 100 ton chiller um no. when it breaks you've got to you've got to fix it um and so it just taught me a lot of mechanical skills and it was great. Uh, now this is the late nineties, early two thousands in North Carolina, textiles were starting to move away. And the, uh, that was the bread and butter of this company was textiles, furniture, and tobacco. And all those things started to outsource and they, these big textile mills started to close down. So um, I got a few years working on that stuff, really learning psychrometrics when you're working on textiles, temperature and humidity is critical. And we were controlling that with the pneumatic controls. So just air pressure, wow. um, you know, opening valves and uh, turning on relays. So it was really cool. But that that stuff kind of went away. And the company I worked for almost went out of business. 9-11 happened right around then. The economy kind of tanked for a few months. And I almost um, lost my job. A bunch of people got laid off there. But they kept me because uh, I think maybe they were getting technician labor out of me, but paying apprentice wages. So they're like, we can't afford to fire this guy. <laughs> so yeah. I kept my job being underpaid actually helped me keep my job. Um, looking back, I'm like, I probably should have, you know, made some other career moves, but I stuck with that company for 12 years. They well, got well, it depends, that. right? Cause like you, you can go and, and look for more money or if you're getting good experience or getting that um, under your belt, yeah, then maybe sometimes you're going to be underpaid for a while and then, Right. Move on later. Right. And that was me. Um, and so, but I, I kind of worked my way up the ranks and I, um, they started getting into more data centers and pharmaceuticals. Um, they transitioned to that and I started learning on Liebert units. I got certified on the Liebert ICOM units, which were like the newest technology back in 2005. And it were great, cool little units. And, uh, I started doing a lot of that, but uh, towards around 2010, I decided, you know, I think I want to get my contractor's license. Not that I'm ever going to leave this company, but if I ever wanted to become like a project manager or move up in this company, I think uh, contractor's license, uh, my North Carolina heating license would go a long way. So, so you, I, you had no intention of like running, leaving and, and doing your own thing. You just wanted to get it in first. case. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just, my dad encouraged me. He was like, yeah, just get licensed. You know, it'll make you more valuable. And so I did. And while I was taking prep classes and this was my first introduction to residential design and manual J and duct design, because we had engineers that did all this, that, that kind of stuff. Oh. I just fixed it when it broke. And yeah. all of a sudden I started learning this whole nother facet of HVAC, which was design and taking into account the building envelope and building science. And I was like, man, this is really cool. I've never even realized this was out there. And that's what started getting me hungry for, I think there, I could build a business that I could do HVAC and building science and incorporate this design. And I think there are people out there that need a residential HVAC guy like that. And I've got all this industrial experience. I was working on VRFs and, and um, zoning systems back 20 years ago before that stuff really took off in residential. So I understood the concepts and I just started getting this hunger. And um, so I, I eventually turned in my notice after I got licensed and started my yeah. own business. And I ran that business for 12 years and, and I ran it looking for people that are in the home weatherization, uh, building performance, building science, home performance field, anybody that was doing that stuff, I became their HVAC guy that spoke their language, that understood and was passionate about improving the building envelope that wasn't just about selling a new unit. Um, and I built a business like that. And I still did commercial and industrial. A bunch of my industrial customers followed me along. So I was doing okay. residential, commercial, and industrial and trying to find a business model that worked for that. And um, I was doing new so you, construction. But you got in you got into the the business, I mean the uh the designing and all that, or did you do service or anything else? Yeah, we did anything from residential everything. service contracts. That's what made my business valuable enough to sell it down the road is I had a bunch of service contracts, but I had agreements with my industrial customers. I was taking care of low low uh, temperature chillers, um, process chillers, data rooms. And I built the business doing all three. Um, oh, dang. And we even did residential new construction just because it was Energy Star. And I could kind of nerd out on the design. And so we did a little bit of everything. It was a hard <laughs> business model. I mean, how do you run something yeah. that's doing all three? Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, in 2021, um, as you can probably imagine, I was starting to get kind of burned out. We're into the pandemic. Um, and I got to tell you, it was not like a, um, a magical journey. It was very difficult. I had some years I was not very profitable because I didn't really know how to run a business. I didn't charge enough for a long time. Um, and yeah, I also, one. and everything funneled down to me. I mean, I never, no one really rose up in my company that I could really call, okay, this is going to be my second in charge. Um, and so it was just, it, it really got a lot on me. My physical health was suffering, my mental health, uh, pandemic, trying to navigate as a business owner through that um, and and all all the laws and the personal preferences. And this customer wants you to wear a mask and this customer doesn't. And this oh, yeah. employee, does, you know, it just all that stuff. And eventually I just I woke up one day and I was like, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't want to run a company. I love HVAC and I love building performance and all this stuff, but I'm not doing any of it. All I'm doing is babysitting people and going back behind them and doing warranty work because I don't even have enough time to like, we weren't even doing good quality work at that point. And so 2020, oh, uh, how was big was, was your company? It wasn't even that big. I had nine employees at, at one point, or including oh, okay. me, nine employees. 
Well, we, so. we had something similar because we grew to like, I want to say around eight. Yeah. And the quality control just went to shit. Like I couldn't <laughs> keep up with, right. like you said, the callbacks or anything like that. Yep. And then we had to downsize to basically uh, four now. And we're yep. way better off. That's exactly what I did. So yeah. I had a really good 2021 because I laid all those guys off that were doing the bad work. I kept my mm -hmm. best people. And I also stopped doing residential new construction. And if we okay. had to change that, we would run it from at a service. I would grab one of my techs and we'd go put a unit in. And we started to get more profitable. Callbacks went down. I mean, it was 2021 was a great year. But I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I was like, you know, I, I, I think I've got a, the business to a point where I, I, I just want to see what it's worth, you know, because I don't know if I want to keep doing this. So I um, thought about it a lot, prayed about it, and I got contacted um, just out of the blue by somebody who uh, who was local that that special a business broker. They specialize in selling businesses, and I've been contacted by those people in the past, and they always seem kind of scammy. It's like, yeah, pay us ten thousand yeah. dollars, and we might find you a buyer. This yeah. was legit. She was out of Raleigh, which is about an hour away, um, and so I just. She only charged me uh, a certain amount to value my business, and the deal was like, "We will find you a buyer. Uh, you will get at least this amount of money for your for your business. If you don't, you don't owe us anything. Um, but if you do, then we take a certain percentage." And it was a very reasonable percentage. And so I said, "Yeah, let's just see where this goes." And very quickly, we found a buyer. Um, and within about it's still not a quick process. Like from the whole oh, okay. period of her, her contacting me and us selling the business was almost a year, but I was able to sell the business and uh, worked for uh, the new company uh, who pretty much absorbed us and uh, worked for them for a year. And okay. when that year contract was over, uh, that was part of the contract. Then um, I uh, moved away from my home of 43 years, born and raised in Greensboro, and I moved here to the North Carolina coast and built a house. And um, now I've opened up a more of a consulting business yeah. design. I do some contracting. I've, I've got a truck. I've got contactors and capacitors and the jug of <laughs> R410A in there. I mean, that's that's quick money. I'll still run those service calls all, all oh, yeah. day long. Um, but I really enjoy doing design work, consulting, doing some teaching. I've taught some online classes, some in-person classes, and helping. I know. Other I, I, I was upset that I missed one. I waited oh, too yeah. long, and you had that. I think it was like the the design or the manual, one of the manuals, manual J or something. I've done manual J and D, but I'm thinking about doing it again. So I will definitely let you okay. know here in, in a few weeks. But yeah, I've done that, and really just helping companies that are up and coming that just need an industry expert, knowledgeable person to help them along. Yeah. I've helped Haven along, Haven IQ, oh, yeah. Conduit Tech. They're, um, they're a brand new company that you can do a load calculation. Instead of measuring the house, you scan the rooms with your iPad. It measures the house for you, and it spits out a load calculation. I've been helping them. And just good players. I think I need, I think I need that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we will talk. <laughs> I'll, okay. uh, I'll uh, say whatever you want to know about it, but they're a great company. That's that's an issue here big time where yeah. stuff's not sized right. And I'm running into it a lot in commercial too. And, and it's crazy the, the stuff that you find. And it's like this, yeah. none of this makes sense if you actually do um, your calculations and, and figure out everything. And it's like, who put this in here? Or why did they do this? Or why did they yeah. do that? I mean, it's a big issue.
unfortunately, we have a lot of old school mentality or just people that didn't know any better. They were never trained that the bigger the unit, the more likely it is to cool the house on a, on a hot Dude, day. I had I had one recently where I was telling them like we need to to kind of do the whole calculation, kind of figure mm -hmm. it out. Although I'm not that good at it, I'm rusty with it because I did go to school for all that. Uh, and I was like, it's just going to take me a little while. I got to figure it out. And then like some other company came in. And it's like we'll just put in a another unit next to this one because it was a commercial building, but they had residential split systems. Yeah, right, right. So they were like, we'll just add another one next to the other two and then it'll cool right and i'm like that that's not how it works right <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's crazy and so that's kind of part and of i, what I think they mission. got the bid i think they did it i haven't gone back yeah yeah it stinks and that happens all the time uh, that's part of like what my mission is is to just help educate people i think that's how we're going to improve this trade i don't think we're going to improve it by more enforcement or by higher standards. We already have pretty high standards. They're pretty good. I'm not talking about codes. Codes codes are still pretty decent, but we have industry standards from ACA and ASHRAE. And oh, yeah. uh, it's just, it's a thing of how do we get people to, um, to just take more pride in their work? And I think the movement that is going to change that is exactly what people like you're doing, especially these young guys that are getting involved and they're posting their installs and they're trying to get better because they want to be appreciated and, and respected mm -hmm. by their community. Those are the people who are going to change this industry because it's, they're not going to crazy. Listen. It's crazy because like even well for myself, when I started posting content, it made me a little more conscious about how I'm doing things. Right. Did I do that? Did I do that right? Did I do it did by it? by you know the specs and everything? Yeah. But then also this, like you said, this movement of uh, younger guys coming in and they want to show what they can do or, or kind of yes. like improve on every uh, install or whatever it is. Yep. But that that's a little like friendly competition because then it's like, well, if he's doing that, then I got to do better. And and, and right, you yes, know, it, it's up. really cool. It's really cool <laughs> to see all that. <laughs> yeah. And so we take that. We can continue it on when uh, these guys go from being employees to contractors themselves like oh, you, yeah. and they're running their own business. And now we can apply that same passion for just doing good design, um, not oversizing equipment, ethical sales, applying a science to indoor air quality solutions. Um, you know, let's just keep that going. It doesn't have to stop the install. Let's let's keep that going. Just doing good quality oh, yeah. uh, design work also. And so everybody plays a part in it. And I'm just excited to see a lot of the the, the people that are involved in the last six, seven years, social media. Um, I think that's how this industry is going to improve. I, I don't have a lot of faith in like the the old guard because unfortunately, I don't think they realize they have a problem. And so. <laughs> You know, it's like trying to I reach out to business owners all the time offering my training services and they're like, no, I'm good. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> I saw you your sticker on it the other day. <laughs> oh, that, that's a no, you need a lot of training. Like, that's that's the worst when they kind of like they're kind of proud of it. And then you're like, yeah, mm, that's, that wasn't done right yeah. or, or something's off. But uh, right. you see their sticker on there. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's crazy. Like I would love because I, I go to a lot of the. Uh, local trainings that i can on stuff that i work on right uh -huh. i want to know how this works or how to service a brand new model or something like ice machines yeah. whatever because right. i do more refrigeration stuff okay and even even that stuff has to be serviced a certain way cleaned a certain way handled a certain way like there's it's just training is good for everybody i would yeah. I'm, it's crazy that they're like no nah, we're good like come on <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's um, but it's it's an epidemic of this industry. So I, I think it's education for those who want to be better and, and improve education is the only way that we get better. I don't think we do it by enforcement or raising these standards that are already we're, we're not even reaching the standards that are out there. Raising standards is not going to help and people will find a way to bypass it. They always have. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be in it. So as far as like, uh, you know, like you said, you got to speak at the the symposium on, yeah. you said it was like air quality uh, panel. There's or two, something? Yeah, there's two panels. There was an indoor air quality panel talking about the sick home syndrome. Um, that was hosted by Kevin Hart, the Canadian, not the comedian. Yeah. He's, the CEO, he's the CEO of Haven. And also we had a dehumidification panel, which just talked about best practices on making dehumidification solutions work and what to do, what not to do, how to size dehumidifiers, that sort of thing. So that, those are those are two big problems uh, for sure. Uh, yeah. I will say on the, on the, on the first one you mentioned about the, the, what was it called again? You said the Haven, the sick building syndrome, indoor air quality building. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, that has to deal with like chemicals and, and different things in the house. Right. Yeah, chemicals, even uh, things that people and animals produce, uh, and dust and other particulates. Um, I can, I can riff on that a little bit. Uh, just kind of give a, a three. Yeah, minute. because I'm just gonna give you like what what I've yeah. seen because okay. like, uh, well, I don't I don't deal with residential, so I don't see it okay. myself firsthand. But uh, Curtis, who I do the other group uh, HVAC nights with, mm -hmm. he's had a video or or he's talked about it where he had to go service a home and he deals with a lot of residential. So he sees, mm -hmm. he sees it all. Um, there was one that, that the, uh, the homeowner was obsessed with candles and that oh. whole furnace was filled with like suit <laughs> soot and like all this stuff. And he had to show it to them. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to get rid of my candles, but you know, just get it working. Okay. Right. Nice. And, knowing you. <laughs> and it's like, man, that what that does to a system can you imagine what that does to the person? So, yeah. I mean, go candles ahead if you want. Are, yeah, candles are a <laughs> really bad burning incense and all that stuff. But essentially, uh, when it comes to indoor air quality, a great way to understand it is there's three things that we are trying to control. And that's uh, particulate matter, uh, which is dust, pet dander, and a lot of it's dead skin. It's pretty nasty. Uh, we try to to control chemicals. So that's things like carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. Um, and, and, and I will say the, the whole pet dander thing, I'm new to that because where I'm at now, there, there is a cat indoors. Uh, my dog yeah. also comes yep. in and out. I My son just uh, got, or I don't know what you would call it. He just started being allergic to cats. Mm -hmm. So now I got to deal with yeah. that right now. I'm, I'm trying to think like, how's what's the best way to get our air quality up because of him, you know? Yeah. Um, some of the best things to do from a homeowner standpoint is just encourage them to vacuum as often as possible. Oh um, yeah. We do dust. that now. <laughs> yeah. And then also from an HVAC standpoint, um, just better filtration. And obviously I mm -hmm. think we all know at this point that we just can't stick a MERV 13 in where a, a one inch filter used to go without evaluating the ducts. And oh, yeah. so when you've got a filter that is too small because now with MERV 13, we've increased the pressure drop, even if it's a pleated filter. Um, if the velocity of that air increases, which is 
a problem, then you're not really getting MERV 13 out of it. So what ends up happening is you bought a MERV 13, but you're probably, who knows, you're getting MERV 6, 7, 8 out of it. Um, and your system is struggling because of the pressure drop and the amount of either, if, if it's a PSC motor, then you're not getting good airflow. If it's yeah. an ECM motor, then it's going to give you the airflow. <laughs> it's called diatribe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what what my suggestion is, if especially with multiple returns, try doing that or just put an essential media filter. Oh, 13. Yeah. And then just make sure things like your ducts are sealed. Your return duct, if it's in an attic and it's not sealed well, it's pulling in all kinds of stuff we don't want. Not only mm -hmm. pollutants, but humidity, heats, making your unit run longer. Um, but this time of year, especially during shoulder seasons, as we start getting into spring, if our system isn't coming on that much because there's no heat or cooling demand, then that air filter that acts like the vacuum cleaner of our house is not working. And so having oh, yeah. a control in there, like uh, like Haven, I mean, Haven will circul circulate air every so often. It'll monitor particulates. And so, like, if I was running a service call on a family that had the same issues as that, a haven is going in, and then we're going to do visual inspections, and we're going to check a lot of things. But I'm going to monitor the air quality through the haven for a couple of weeks, and we're going to figure out when it spikes, what happens, when it happens, how bad it happens, and then offer solutions based on science instead of the other way that we all know isn't exactly ethical. But the, the haven, the I old, think, is... The old rule of thumb. <laughs> Yeah, old rule of thumb, or here is this magic box with a blue light. And I don't know how it works, but the guy at the supply house told me it'll kill everything from pet dander to coronavirus. And so you don't believe in that one. I um they have their place and they work, and oh. I can go off on that too. But there's <laughs> there's two things that I, I think uh, uh, is a problem with that. It's a very poorly regulated industry. So when oh, yeah. the FDA has to approve a medical uh, any medical claim about a pill, FDA has to approve it before it becomes commercial. There's no mm -hmm. FDA for that stuff. And so they oh, can make true. claims that it kills all this stuff. And they're, they who knows how they're testing it? They're testing it in a small lab where, of course, with a small lab, of course, the thing is going to be more effective than a big house with poor airflow and air stagnation. Um, and then the second thing is the the byproducts that comes off of changing the chemistry in our house, because our home, unfortunately, is a chemistry lab. We've got people living in it, cleaning, uh, cleaning materials, we're cooking in it. It is a chemistry oh, yeah. experience. And when we start changing the chemistry, which is what a lot of these air purifiers do, ionization, oxidation, adding hydrogen peroxide to it. If you hear any of those terms, photocatalytic, any of that stuff, just think of it as changing chemistry. And you're not a chemist. I'm not a chemist. But what ends up happening is we can solve some certain problems. We can turn some really bad stuff neutral, but then we can also inadvertently turn some neutral stuff bad. And one example mm -hmm. is those things can interact with like the type of cleaning uh, sprays and stuff that uses that has this lemon scented. Um, yeah, that can react to that and actually cause formaldehyde in the wrong um, circumstances. So, congratulations, oh, wow. you fixed one problem, but then you you added a carcinogen into your customer's airstream. So, yeah, it's that, it's that's that something... education that I'm trying to get out there. Yeah, and that's something that John Pastorola had mentioned to me on, yeah. uh, when I had him on here about be cautious with because he he deals with the the cleaning products, right? So yes. he's like, be cautious of anything that has a scent because then right. you're dealing with other chemicals yeah. other uh off uh what do you call it off products you know that that's gassing stuff. yep yeah yeah all that stuff happens with with the more that i mean it, it might right. smell nice when you first yep. use it but then you're causing 
something else. Yeah. So the best solutions are passive solutions. So it's better filtration. It's source yeah. control, fixing the leaks in the house, leaks in the ductwork. It's humidity control because that kind of stuff thrives, especially the biological um, pollutants that we have, funguses and bacteria and mold and all that stuff. They thrive outside of a safe range of humidity. So humidity control. Oh, yeah. Those passive ways are the best things to do. Ventilation, bring in fresh air from the outside as long as it's fresh and mm. um, diluting. Uh, the solution to the pollution is dilution. So you're just like if someone farts in the car, what do you do? <laughs> you roll down the window, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's this that that is the the same um, principle with ventilating a house is to just dilute what we're creating in there and uh, replace it with some fresh air. Unfortunately, we have to also filter that air, condition that air, cool it, dehumidify mm -hmm. before we enter, bring it into a house, or else we create other problems. But um, those are the passive ways that we fix into our quality. I'm not a fan of changing with chemistry. Now I've put those units in, but it's only as a yeah. cherry on top after I've already improved their filtration, their ventilation and their humidity control, then sort of as a maintenance, or if they really want one of those devices, I'll put one in, but I don't lead with that. And I don't view yeah, that it's as not, like it's the not solution. Like a, it's not like a solve all problem. You got to fix everything else first. Exactly. Yeah, it's sort of and, like if you have um, high blood pressure and what kind of doctor, and there's plenty of them out there, but we know yeah. what we think about them. What kind of doctor is going is to skip over the whole diet and exercise thing and go straight to certain to prescribe to you pharmaceuticals? It is exactly the same thing in our situation. We skip a lot of times right over the passive ways and the diet and exercise of indoor air quality. And because the distributor, the the our boss gives us a, a spiff when we sell an air purifier, um, we're tempted to do that. But you know, we're just like that doctor that's pushing pills because he gets a kickback, and I think that's wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a whole. That was a good business after COVID. That, that whole it was thing, yeah. right? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. The uh, so you've been working with with Haven Pro. I, I've seen yeah. I've seen you pop up on their mm -hmm. on their feed before. Um, yeah. is that, is that like a monitor device or what is that, that, that they deal with? Yeah. Cause I've, I've talked to them. I've just never looked into it. Yeah. Yeah. So Haven is an induct air quality monitor. It monitors your particulate matter, which is your dust pet dander. Um, it also monitors total VOCs, VOCs, are the chemicals, the stuff in the candles, the, uh, the cleaning materials. Oh, yeah. Um, even humans put out VOCs when we cook, we create VOCs. They're not all bad, but mm -hmm. you know, too much of anything is not a good thing. So uh, it monitors that and it also monitors temperature, humidity, and it can tell when you've got good airflow when your airflow cuts off. So it kind of knows when your unit's running and when it's not. And it connects to an app. And the cool thing about Haven is, first of all, it's duct mounted. So it's the only product yeah. that I'm aware of that is not a room monitor, but is a duct monitor. So it averages your whole house instead of having one device in one room and it has no idea what's going on away over here. Um, so it, it's a duct mounted, but it also within their app, within the Haven environment, they have a controller and that controller is just uh, think of it as a Wi-Fi relay. It's a two relay pack and, uh, you can make it turn on the dehumidifier, fresh air. You can, uh, put wire a couple of them together to do a lot of advanced automations and they're constantly creating new solutions. Uh, and so okay. one of the solutions that we use a lot here is a ventilating dehumidifier. So it's a dehumidifier from Santa Fe that I use, but we bring in fresh air, 
but we bring it in through a motorized damper, and the haven only opens up that damper when we need fresh air because there's no reason to bring in uh, heat and humidity from the outside and have to deal with that and get that energy penalty if we don't have to. So if you go on vacation for two weeks, you don't need to ventilate your house. So Haven is smart enough to see that. Uh, and then it also will cycle on your air handler in some circumstances to cut the particulate matter down. So if you get a spike in dust, it's going to say, okay, we need to run some of this dust through the filter and catch it. It'll do that. And then the Haven can also read temperature and humidity. So we can actually turn on and off our, humidity, our dehumidifier doing that. Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of customizable things and they're coming out with some really cool stuff in the next few months. So I just encourage anybody that's in the residential space to look it up because it is, um, it's the responsible way to deal with indoor air quality. And, yeah, and man, I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take some notes right now on some stuff that I need to put in our house. <laughs> yeah, that I'll be happy like to talk one. with you offline too and give you some suggestions. That's not a problem. Yeah, it sounds like a good one to have, man. Because you never know yeah. what's going on. I mean, you don't. Yeah. You can't see it. You need to monitor it in a in a, a certain way like that. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. You can use your app. You know, check out your your air quality yeah. and and all that. And yeah, you, like and you said, I monitor it does a whole bunch customers. more. Yeah, I've, I'll monitor some of my customers like once a month and I'll look for little anomalies and then I'll, oh, okay. you know, it could drive all the further sales. Like, hey, you know, I notice that you keep having a problem with your particulate matter going up. Remember we talked about that MERV 13 filter? Well, here's the proof. And now we're solving the problem that they have before they even realize how bad it is. But we can show them proof that it is a problem. That to me is responsible. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's a good way of going about it because you're not trying yeah. to push them on something. It's like, no, yeah. here's what we found. Yep. It it's facts, and then here's yep. how to solve that. Exactly. Yeah, we're um we're solving it with science and methods instead of with products. Um, and so again, I'm just trying to raise awareness of this. And I also want to say I, I know a lot of people listen to your show that listen to me. They're in the residential space. They work for an employer. Mm -hmm. They are pushing that stuff. And I get it. I'm not trying to vilify the technician. Um, uh, but there is something to be said is once you become educated, you can't unring that bell. And so I, I, I hear you that there are people out there that are like, look, I just work for a company. They want me to do to, to sell these things. That's fine. But once you learn that that is not exactly ethical, what do you mm -hmm. need to do with that information? Are you going to stay working there? Or are you going to look for a different opportunity? And um, so I just encourage everybody, just get educated, make your own decisions, make your own choices. And you're it, once you, ignorance is bliss. And, and once you start acquiring some knowledge, you, um, you've got to do something about it. I mean, you're, you've just got to. Um, so for what it's worth, just, Get educated people. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say that, that that's the most important part is like actually going out and getting the, the knowledge and learning yeah. the right way to do things or how things work. And it yeah. opens up your eyes to a lot of different situations yeah. that you've been in or that you see. Right. It's just like people, you know, when I first came into the business, no one pulled a 500 micron vacuum. It was two smokes and a cup of coffee. And yeah. but we get I, educated. I remember. I remember when I started, I knew because of, of the school that I went to, I went to a community yeah. college when yeah. I started, but it's, it's very different. I got in, out into the field and they're like, what's a micron gauge? We right. don't, you know, yeah. dumping it on. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> yeah, man. It, yeah. it was totally different. I had to, that, and that, that's kind of like piggybacking off of what you said is like, what are you going to do with the knowledge? Right. 
Yeah. I knew better because I went to school, right? Some people weren't even pulling vacuums out there. And then you have these problems later on. So I was like, no, like, I know there's an easy way to do this, but I'm going to pull a vacuum, use my micron gauge, make sure I I read it. I set it up the right way. And there's been plenty of times like purging nitrogen was not a thing either. Like there's plenty of things that, that were wrong with the industry when you get out there because of old habits and, and stuff that people didn't know. But if you know, do it the right way or do it the way that you, uh, you right. know, is better. And if you don't, then you're a hack. Yeah. And, and I got a lot think, of pushback. I'll be honest. Yeah. Cause like when I was out there and, and it's all like, I mean, I was, I went to school when I was like 20. So like when I got out there, I was like 22. Yeah. Well, they're not going to listen to a 22, 22 year old, no. um, telling them what to do. Right. It's all no. older bo- guys. And right. you know, yeah. they're supposed to be above you and you're like, Oh, you're not doing it the right way. It's a lot of pushback. But like, I was very stubborn that I wanted to do it. I'm like, if it's my call, if I'm on the job, I'm doing it this way. Right. There's no way around it. Same way. But um, it's nothing different. As we advance in our knowledge, we move on. Okay, well, we've we've figured out purging with nitrogen and vacuums. But now what else have we learned? We've learned beer can cold isn't how you diagnose (laughs) the system. Um, and once you learn about superheat subcooling and all the stuff that Measure Quick talks about, then if you go back to beer can cold, well, you can't claim that. Well, I just didn't know. Yeah. No, you, you chose to be a hack at this point. And same yeah, thing that, with indoor air quality was, and building science. Oh, yeah. That, and that was the thing, too. When I started, it was like I'm helping out guys that I'm working with because, like I said, I went to school and I kind of knew some yeah. stuff. And I'm trying to explain to them superheat and subcool. Right. And I'm like, I need to know this or that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause we would be bouncing off each other. Like what's wrong with the unit. And then they're like, no, I just tell me what the pressure should be. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. Temperatures, you know, subcool, so uh, superheat. Yep. Let's figure all that out first. And then like, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, I used it's, to tell my guys that work for me is like, I don't, don't, don't lead with my pressures are when you come with me. With yeah. The problem. Um, and so I started teaching them how to diagnose without even using pressures. If we absolutely must oh, yeah. gauge up and and check pressures, and I understand refrigeration is a little bit different, uh, but with comfort cooling, if we absolutely must gauge up, and we don't always have to gauge up, but if we absolutely must, let's not talk in terms of pressure. Let's talk about terms of saturation temperature, mm-hmm. because everything else we talk about is in terms of temperature, not pressure. What's our return air, supply air, temperature difference, superheat, subcool, and suction line temperature, liquid line temperature. Everything's temperature-based. And so if we can just convert that one pressure into saturation temperature, everything else. And you can work on any refrigerant at this point because the yeah. pressure is going to be different, but the saturation temperatures are going to stay mostly the same in, in comfort cooling. And so those yeah, are have, good habits to get into. Yeah, that was the thing, too, because I, I like I, I, my dad had a business, and I started the HVAC side of it. And then we hired people and, and you know, other guys came on mm-hmm. and I was the, the young guy that was like, well, I need to kind of train them the way I, I know how to do things and yeah. all that. So like this, the same, I had the same situation where it's like, guys, you know, stop looking at the pressure. Uh, I need the, yeah. the saturated, yeah. all that. And then I've been trying to get more into, like, I didn't know any better before either about hooking up and, you know, if you're going to hook up to a system every time, like you're going to lose a little bit of that charge and like yeah. in refrigeration, it's a lot of critically charged units, yeah. ice machines, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So over time I've gotten more into the, what is it called? The, in, uh, 
non-invasive system testing uh, yeah yeah and I've, I've been more intrigued by that now it's like uh, do not gauge up right check your yep. your line temp all this yep. other stuff you know this and you'll figure way. out most of the time you'll figure out what's wrong with it but just by that yeah non-invasive system testing has been around for a long time i remember seeing youtube videos from 2005 um well they were dated 2005 i don't think youtube was around 2005 but it was a archive uh videos that jim bergman was making back in 2005 2006 and he was telling us about measuring the suction line temperature versus the return air temperature and we call that a design temperature difference and evaporator split is another term for that but essentially no matter where that system is how hot or how cool it is in the house your return air temperature minus your suction line temperature will always be somewhere between 30 and 40 degrees 35 is the, the sort of the average and if it's not then you can pretty much tell that something's wrong with that evaporator so oh, yeah. if you if you just use beer can cold and you're like the suction line's warm i gotta add gas well it might not be low on gas it could be liquid line restriction that's starving your evaporator or uh it just could be like 85 degrees in the house <laughs> maybe a return duct in the attic yeah that, that's that's something that i i had to deal with too right it's like and i yeah. had those in, instincts too of right just like yeah. oh just top it off or, or do this yeah. or do that that's always going to solve it but no it's like you might have a warm box you might have yeah. uh, uh like you said it's a big deal yeah you might have uh your airflow is another big one, right? Yep. I, I have one right yeah. now that the evaporator is all screwed up and it's showing me low pressures, but I'm like, mm, we're not <laughs> getting, we're not low on charge necessarily, right? It's just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have airflow, your temperatures yep. go up or down. And uh, yeah, that, that's, and that's one of the, like I said, one of the things I struggled with when I started, because everything, everybody's like, oh, just put in, put in some Freon, put in, you yep. know, do this or that. And then you start overcharging systems and it's like, holy crap, right? When it gets hot out, like those things with oh, yeah. high head pressure. Oh, yeah. Or overcharging heat pumps in wintertime. Then you go back and things tripping off on, on head pressure. Um, and that's why it's just trying to create good habits and mm -hmm. educate people when they're young. And uh, I'm a proponent of, of Measure Quick because it can... Um, I was about to ask all about that data that. in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I get it. Measure quick pissed everybody off last year when they took away screenshots. I get it. Uh, even they'll tell you they kind of botched that. <laughs> I, I understand why th they did it. Um, but hey, I just want uh, I just wanted to do it for my content. I was trying to show the viewers what I had. And I got the yeah. alert. And I'm like, OK, I can't do that. I know. <laughs> Me too, dude. I mean, I. Uh, but I'll thing. do you I'll do you one better. I bought an iPad and I'll just take a picture yeah. of the iPad. I got it. There you go. I mean, <laughs> and they'll tell you, look, that's all you got to do if you really want your screenshot that bad. But and so I, I get it. But here's what Measure Quick is doing. Um, they are helping to solve the, the labor shortage that we're going to have. I mean, you're a contractor. You're an employer. You already know we cannot get butts and trucks to save our lives. I mean, especially it, it is, it's so hard to find out. good help. Right. Yeah. And so what do we do about it? And what's cool about Measure Quick is it's technology. And what they have been working with contractors around the country, uh, but one in particular is in Ohio. It's right there next door with them. And it's sort of like a test program. But there's a company called Simpson Salute. And it's owned by a really cool dude, Chad Simpson. He's um, he's a pilot, so he's very process-driven. You know, pilots, when they 
they got checklists. Then before they fly that fly the airplane, they're going down that checklist. Checklist. It doesn't matter what's raining or snowing. They're going to do that checklist. But if we take that same approach to HVAC, what MetroQuick is doing is is uh, helping people to pull people that are coming out of other technical sectors like appliance repair, copy machine repair. I mean, copy machines are going by the way of paper. With less paper, there's less copiers. But there are people there that are trained in technology and they're the wrench turners and they're looking to change their careers. They're, they don't know anything about heating and air, and that's okay. Uh, people that yeah. are coming from communications uh, and other technical sectors. And if we can train them on an app from scratch before they learn beer can cold and all those bad habits, if we can help them to use the app and give them some specialized HVAC training, then are they going to instantly become a craftsman installer? No. Are they instantly going to be a, a repair technician that can change a compressor under the worst circumstances? No. But they will be able to diagnose systems and they will be able to start up and commission new systems. And if we can decouple those roles and, and give them to people that are coming into the industry that are already proven good workers, no technology, then we don't need our crusty old repair technician who's really good with his hands, we don't really need him to start doing system startup and commissioning anymore. We can make maintenance techs out of these people within just a few weeks. Maintenance techs. Now, they're wow. not going to be able to diagnose VRF. We're not asking them to do that right now, but they can take a huge section of our workload off of our hands. Uh, we can still have installers. And, you know, installers are a different breed. Don't give those guys an iPad because they're just going to usually use it as like a a doorstop or something yeah. like, you know, installers for the most part are, are a different breed. But if we can decouple oh, yeah. that and we don't ask them to start up and do a full commission after a 12 hour day in an attic, we send somebody else in there to do that. And we just let them do what they're good at. And we start creating roles for different technicians and different people. And we're pulling people that are already workers and in technology. And I think MeasureQuick has the potential to do that. But as a contractor, as a business owner, you've got to be prepared to make some changes in your company. Uh, there's no yeah. sort of dipping your toe into MeasureQuick. Oh, yeah. And that that helps because like with our company, like I said, we're, we're very small. It's like me and my brother and my yeah. dad and his, his brother. And right now our helper is on part-time um mm -hmm. ma maintenance has been a big thing for us recently and it's like i dread it because i do other calls all the time mm -hmm. i do uh i mean summer's coming up we're gonna be we're gonna be getting uh, busy again but mm -hmm. my brother goes into more of the maintenance role and that relieved a lot off of me yes. and he's okay he's okay with it like yeah. like you said some there's different breeds for different things yeah he's very good at, at that he's very meticulous with his uh his like uh checklist his cleaning all that stuff that he yeah. does and that just helps a lot i can go and do my service i prefer to do service right uh we have guys that do certain things and it helps yep. the company out overall yep. uh yep. and i i do think that measure quick i know some people swear by it i haven't used it too much um i think i think it is laid out very nice um and that does help like like you said somebody that's learning it getting trained measure quick is very visual i know a lot of us are very visual too mm -hmm. and it, it's yeah it's nice and it does everything for you if you put all the information into it 
Yeah, it is. And so we can start training people to be process driven and that they when they go up to a system, they set it up in MedgerQuick the same way every time they deploy their pros the same way every time. And I know there's a little bit of pushback because like, well, you're not really creating HVAC techs out of them. You're just kind of creating robots. But here's the deal. We need butts and trucks. OK, maybe we need yeah. a few robots early on and then we can turn them into the super techs later on. But right yeah, now, we need exactly the more the more they see it, you know, they're going to get yeah. they're going to get it. Yeah, because not every system. I mean, the whole point of MetroQuick is to find faults, legitimate yeah. faults. So they're going to hook up their probes and MetroQuick will be throwing all kinds of flags at them. And they're not going to know what to do because they've only been in HVAC for six weeks. And this is their first call. And that's OK. But now they can share their screen. There's a way that you can do a remote look in with MetroQuick. Um, and so now the person that is maybe you in the company that is the 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 technical person can help them out only when needed. But all the other times they're doing maintenance, they're checking the system out that you guys installed last year. Of course, it's running good. Uh, it's working good. He cleans it. Go on. You just got to satisfy your contract, but you don't have to be there. And um, then, of course, you have a report that is a third party report. There is very little doctoring that you can do with MetroQuick. And even if you do doctor it, it puts a little mark next to the, the thing. So the boss knows, oh, wait a minute, that's not a real number. So there is a way to kind of game it a little bit, but we're going to know if you game it. And I just think once MetroQuick catches on a little bit more and it becomes a little bit easier to use, and um, then, then it's it's going to be the way that we help solve the lack of good help that we have right now, and um, and they're committed yeah, to it. Uh, yeah, I think they're doing a lot. I mean, it's it's good. Not everybody. Well, like I said, some people swear by it. Not everybody uses it. It's right. coming around. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you are you helping them out with with certain things? Yeah, so I've got a, a YouTube series, and I'll put in a video every now and then. It's making Measure Quick easy, and it's just it's me coming from the standpoint of I used to have a small contracting business, and we were using Measure Quicks just for screenshots, and we were plopping them onto our reporting software, and it it worked great. But there was a lot of times when I'm looking at this thing after the fact. I always reviewed my technicians reports and I'm like, okay, there's so much more wrong with that unit that you didn't catch. Like you went over there and it was a contactor, but okay, you, you know, our our policy was you're still going to check cooling no matter what, even if it's a contactor or uh, or a something electrical and I would see it and like there's all kinds of flags in all the screenshots and I'm like, dude, systems like low on gas, it's got something else going on with it and you walked away. And you walked away with a, a contactor is a few hundred bucks when we could have found something and helped these people save some energy and be a little more comfortable in their house and maybe even sold the unit because that unit was also 12 years old. So it's like we're leaving money on the table because we have this mentality of just running and gunning. We got 10 calls to do today. That means that we, we get, just got to find it, fix it, and go. And what I'm trying to help people uh, through my content is that we as contractors, again, you've got to change your business. We got to slow down. And I get it. We can't take care of as many customers. So dump the crappy ones and take care of the good ones. The ones that are going to help you make money and use MeasureQuick to spend an hour and a half on your diagnosis, doing a full system diagnosis. And that's what I'm trying to help my content. It's like, look, this is the approach that you need to take as a technician, but this is the approach that your boss better be taking. So if you're the boss and you're listening, you've got to slow things down. And when you 
focus on quality of calls instead of quantity, then we actually find more legit stuff wrong with systems. 90% of systems out there that MeasureQuick has in their database has a fault in it, and people walked away. Oh, yeah. So we're leaving money on the table. And that, that's a money. good, yeah, that's a good way to talk, to explain it or, or just bring it up because I've told people the same thing, right? It's like s- slow down, right? You're yeah. running, like you said, running and gunning. You're trying to get in and out. And I have, I have a, one of our guys, he's a great tech. He does both uh, the cooking equipment, the hot side, and then mm-hmm. fr- refrigeration. So he's valuable to us. But I tell him, slow down. If you get backed up, you know, one of us will help you because yeah. I, I'm more worried about, I mean, for one, the quality control, but like, did you check everything? Because like, like you said, you're leaving money on the table because more, more times than not that system, especially us, we work on a lot of old equipment. There's mm-hmm. going to be several things wrong with it. It's not just the contactor. It's not just uh, this or that, right? You need to make, make it right. And, and, you know, make that yeah. unit last, do the repair, right. And then, right. uh, I even tell people when you're doing maintenance or anything in general, you're working on something else, walk around, listen to things, keep your eyes yeah. open, right? Tell your customer, yeah. like, did you notice this other AC uh, next to it is making a weird noise? Yeah. You know, there's right. a line that's icing up or, or whatever it is. Like yeah. a lot of times they don't even know these things and yeah. they rely on, on you to do your job basically. Yeah. Right. Check thoroughly that system and then, uh, like you said, it's 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 still ethical because you're just telling them, you got this problem, you got that problem. What do you want to do about it? Right. But instead, we're trying to take on as many service calls as we can as an industry for $39 fees to come out, look at the system. And Yeah, I don't get that. Uh, you know, it, it, two things either happen. The dude walks away with $39 because he didn't find anything or he is going there with the sole intent of, of selling a new unit because oh, he's got unit. to. Yeah. yeah. So measure quick is it's a process of just slowing down and spending time doing a full system assessment, diagnostic, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that process like mine, um, it's a 70 point inspection. I mean, I am looking at everything and photo documenting everything. And yeah, I walk up to a unit in the middle of August. It's 97 degrees outside and the compressor, I can hear it is humming and the co- condenser fan motor is not running. And I can hear that. I just know that's back capacitor. I know it's back capacitor. Still going to walk around and do a full system assessment because I may find something else wrong with it. I'll probably find three things wrong with it. So yeah, almost that's, every time. So we have to change that as an industry, this running and gunning, um, you know, getting, get out kind of mentality. We're not making any money. We're burning our people out. People are leaving the industry because it's incredibly stress, stressful to have that many calls dumped on you. It's hot. It's dangerous to, to not, you know, just be stressed out and worn out like that. We got to start taking care of our people. So just slowing down is part of the process. And again, measure quit is one way we can do that. Yeah, man. And and like I measure quick does a lot of good, like I said, uh, yeah. and, and there's stuff that that you need to. So like I've had some calls, I, I don't know how to segue into it, but like but I've that, had some calls. Yeah. I've had some calls at, at commercial buildings. So I want to get back into the, the the design and the whole aspect of it, like a bigger system, like I mentioned earlier, doesn't always just cool. Uh, better there's humidity there's other aspects of it that you need to to uh, take into account 
I am baffled sometimes when I go into commercial buildings because I'm I'm always I always think like no they they knew what they were doing right like they had to have <laughs> so because I was gonna bring up like my comment section earlier I think that's what I was trying to get to because um, I have a lot of every time I make a joke and I, I think you've seen them the ho- the homeowners come out they comment that we're scammers and and this and that but it's because of yeah. the bad apples that we have right yeah, there there's there's bound to be some right. Um, and I, I'm starting to see it a lot here in the AC systems because there is uh, a lot of we picked up a commercial account maybe two years ago and they have a lot of issues with cooling the the, the building. Mm-hmm. It's a strip. It's a strip mall. So it's just one section of it. And like I said, they had that's the one that had the residential um, systems or the split yeah. systems that they got quoted for just adding another unit to it. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to tell them that it wasn't designed right now. I don't, I don't go in there and redesign it at the moment. Right. right? I got to quote it out. I got to, I got to see what they want to do. But the, uh, like the one I, I, I always go back to is they had a commercial rooftop units. They had two They had a back area that, that was never occupied. It was like an office open space area. And this is a, like for a restaurant, um, pizza chain mm-hmm. never used, but that ACE, that area had like, I kid you not, like eight to ten vents, and that that place got super cold in the back. Yeah, yeah. The kitchen, on the other hand, could not keep up. Right, right. So I'm like, who designed this? And I've had comments like, no, these these engineers, these designers, that's what they do. They know what they're doing. And I'm like, obviously not, because we have a really cold spot mm-hmm. that is like freezing, and it it always shuts off because it gets cold. Right. And then we have the kitchen that is like super hot; it can't keep up. Yeah. So what we did as a temporary fix was just uh, move some vents over to the front and then put a remote sensor for the uh, thermostat so that we can get a better balanced uh, temperature of it. But I told them, I was like, this wasn't designed for what you guys have. And I've been seeing that more and more um, with a certain customer. Yeah. Yeah, And I think in strip malls, you get that a lot because when the strip malls first built, they just plopped a five ton or whatever on the roof for that one suite. And it could have been an office. It could have been a restaurant. And then that, that gets rented out to 14 different businesses over the next few years. And no one really thinks about doing a load calculation, HVAC design every time they're just moving in brand new business. They don't have any money. They're just moving in, trying to get open. And so we see that a lot. And that's um, that's a pizza pizza place. They plopped yeah. a pizza oven that gives off so <laughs> much damn heat. No, in the kitchen in the heat. Front. <laughs> yeah. And it's right. like you had to you had to update your HVAC, you know? Yeah. So we see it a lot. And then yeah, I don't do much commercial anymore. I never really did any restaurant work. Um but but, but they always give you the, the same thing, right? Well, it was working like that before. Yeah, like, I doubt that. was it? Yeah, was it though? <laughs> right. And that's where we need to start developing a process to quantify the BTUs that a unit's putting out. And we can take a temperature and humidity drop. You know, we got our, our probes to do that. You can use Measure Quick, you can use Field Piece Testo, whatever to do that. But the um but the kicker is airflow and airflows. The most important thing that we should be reading as technicians and diagnosticians, but it's one of the hardest things to read accurately and efficiently because 
what do you got to use? A flow hood? You're going to walk around with a flow hood while they're open? I mean, that's not... You can use an anemometer. It's a lot of room for error in using an anemometer. Traversing ducks, how are you yeah. going to do that with flex? So there's all these challenges to reading total airflow. Um, but now, like, the engine conservatory's got the true flow grid. And so we can read total airflow. We can put it in place of the filter. We go through the process. It actually talks to measure quick now. And once we know airflow and we know our temperature and humidity drop, then we can figure out how many BTUs of sensible late this unit's doing. And that's part of my process now is, okay, you've got a three-ton unit, but it's behaving like a 2.2-ton unit, and here's why. Is it an airflow problem? Is it a refrigeration problem? Um, whereas before, what, what were we doing? We we're gauging up, okay, well, I've got 25 degrees superheat. That's a little bit high, but I don't know. Maybe it's normal. Uh, my air temperature feels okay. Maybe you just got a dry bulb thermometer. You know, there's all these gaps in information that we didn't have. We're just doing the best we can to try to diagnose these problems. But now it is so easy to hook up some probes to a unit and say, your three-ton unit is operating at three tons. We're good to go. Now, maybe all, not all those three tons of air are going to the right places, but now we've completely removed the possibility that it is a problem with the equipment. Now we're looking at distribution. And so how much more effective are we now at, at diagnosing problems when we can just completely isolate one problem? It's like a low voltage short when you just start unwiring things and you say, okay, well, I know it's not my thermostat because I just unwired my thermostat and it's still popping the fuse. When we can use those methods of isolation by taking total performance airflow, then we can arrive at a more accurate diagnosis more efficiently, quicker. And, and those solutions go with more confidence. Because I've also done a, a solution where I had a bowling alley, same kind of thing, hot here, cold yeah. here. And I didn't have any of those tools at my disposal years and years ago. And so they spent a couple of grand on some ductwork modifications. Didn't help. I was guessing. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I thought you were going to. Yeah. You're gonna say you fixed no, it. <laughs> no, it didn't. It was still, I mean, it helped a little bit, but I didn't it's, have it's quantified. Yeah, it. it's hard because all that stuff, there's a lot that goes into it. Cause like I'm yeah. learning that I'm learning that now that I'm I'm starting to see these certain buildings, like you said, strip malls are the worst. That's all that's all we have with this one customer. Yeah. They have like 20 locations, all strip malls. And I'm starting to figure out, like, and I and I told them that before. I'm like, I, I mean, they've probably been there for a really long time because it's a well-known chain mm -hmm. but like what was it before you guys got there right it could have been a different right. type of a yeah a building i mean a business like it could have been just an office open area whatever it was mm -hmm. and i'm starting to get into that more now because i'm like well now i gotta start looking at ductwork design um like you said have the right tools to kind of check but even then like i, I don't have an anemometer but i've thought of buying one and then i'm like like you know those those little ones i'm like i don't know if it's like you said there's room for error yeah. i don't know how well you know we can do things with that so but yeah. i've been more open to it and, and kind of looking into like how can we fix more of these uh duct and sizing design issues because we have a lot of uh of that that we're seeing now yeah and so it, i get it the true flow grid is expensive an anemometer is a little bit more affordable, but you got to go to every single register. How do you do ceiling grills? You can't. Um, so you got to get a flow hood. Flow hoods are incredibly expensive. Um, so one thing that I'm just, for contractors to get just get started with checking airflow is checking total static pressure. And this guy right here, the TEC um, DG8, the, one of the best bangs 
for the buck. Um, there's there's several good micro manometers out there that are pretty affordable. This is one of them. I think and, I think I've seen you show that or, or talk yeah, about that one. Yeah, and so I'm um I've I've really gotten to be pretty close to Chris Chris Hughes who works there. He's a former contractor. He's been in the trenches like us. He works for them now. They're yeah. an airflow testing company, but um that taking any kind if it's not the DGA fine, you actually can use the hundred dollar manometer that you get from the supply house, start checking static pressure against your blower charts. And if you need help doing that, I got videos out there doing it. There's plenty of content on how to take your static pressure, where to put your probes, make sure you're taking an accurate reading, and then how to read that with a blower chart. With commercial systems, it's a little bit trickier because you could have a belt-driven pulley and you don't really know what the RPMs of that fan is. So there's an extra step. You may have to get a tachometer to figure out uh, how, how fast that fan pulley's going. And then, but all the literature is there to be able to convert static pressure into airflow. And even if it's not diffuser to diffuser airflow, even total airflow, if you just know if this thing is moving yeah. anywhere close to four, 350, 400 CFMs per ton, then you can either pursue that further or you can set that aside and say, I don't think that's the problem. It's going to be, it's going to be something else. So airflow testing and start with static pressure. If you can't do anything else, you could get start with static pressure pretty cheap. Yeah, I, I've started doing more of that now um, throughout the last few years because, and mm. I did a little bit of, of it in the middle of my career because I've been doing it like 16 years. I was always a refrigeration tech. So I did like walk-in boxes and stuff yep. like that. Then they started asking me to check out their HVAC systems, right? They're like, well, you know, yep. you're already here. You do the same thing. Right. and we had to deal with certain things and I never understood it before when I started. Right. Yeah. Like, why is, why am I getting condensation on the vents? Right. Um, you know, all these weird humidity issues. Uh, yep. Why is it so stuffy in here? Yep. There's a, there's a lot of science in it and I've gotten, yep. I'm trying to get into it more and like more now with the, uh, that's one thing that I've been checking now is a static pressure. Yep. I just want to get into more like, like a, uh, airflow and checking the vents and making sure we have the cfms yeah. and all that because like yep. i've been seeing some weird things lately like where it's like it's working you you think the, the system's working it looks good everything is is checking out fine in the system the refrigerant part yep and then like you go in there and it still doesn't feel comfortable like there's other issues yeah. right and there are so many, when you get into comfort cooling, there are so many things you got to think about that just refrigeration, yeah. refrigeration guys really know their refrigeration cycle really well. Uh, whereas yeah. comfort cooling <laughs> guys sometimes don't, but refrigeration guys, once you get outside of that and you're dealing with airflow problems, you're like, it's a lot, it's a lot of factors, but yeah. really, and that's what I'm trying to get more involved with is that diagnose diagnosis and with residential. Again, I, I just can speak more residential because that's the world that I'm in now. Um, but with same kind of problems, you go into a house. Yeah, it applies. It applies. Yeah, same thing. Same. It's like okay, well, the, if the first thing you do is gauge up, and you're like, well, my pressures look good, yeah, then <laughs> you're cutting out a, a complete like three quarters of the problem. You're not even looking at. So. Um, when we're thinking about comfort problems, especially humidity problems, return duct leakage is a huge problem, especially oh, yeah. when the return ducts are in attics, but also when they're in crawl spaces. And so one uh, test that I started doing is, and you can actually do this test, I think just with the field piece app, you don't necessarily have to do measure quick, but if you take your dew point reading of the air at your return grill in the space, 
dew point measures how much actual moisture is in the air. It's the same thing as grains of moisture on the psychrometric chart. It's just on the other side of the chart. So what I tell people is like dew point is how much moisture is in the air. If you take that reading, dew point is not affected by temperature. You care less yeah. how what the temperature is as long as we're not as long as we're not below the dew point. But if you check your dew point at the return grill, and then we take that same probe and we go to the return plenum of the unit and we check dew point again. If our dew point has changed in any way, mm. we picked up moisture or we lost moisture, depending on which way it yeah. went. It has return or relative humidity can fool you because you're dealing with temperature difference. Maybe it's a hot attic, picked up a few degrees, but dew point does not lie. And if you check your return grill dew point versus your return plenum dew point, you can find out, goodness, I just picked up six, seven, 10 degrees of dew point. I've got a return leak somewhere. And so I'm bringing in all this heat and humidity in my unit and it's doing the best it can. But by the time the air leaves it, it's just not cool or dry enough to condition the space. Um, and when we can start just simple tests like that are just so yeah, easy the, the, quick. the leakage leakage is a big issue too that I've been seeing. Yeah. Cause I've been out to some where like the previous company couldn't figure out something. And then I get into the, the attic cause it's like a, yeah. a drop ceiling, uh, commercial. I have to get up there and, and get, yeah. you know, figure it out. And then I'm like, you're losing so much air. You're taking in hot air and yeah. we got to get all this fixed first. Right. Uh, yeah. It's not going to be just a new unit or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. And so unfortunately that happens so many times where we just get fixated on the appliance, the box. It's like, we just want to diagnose the unit, put gauges on it, check the refrigerant levels. And yeah, we don't think I, outside of it. I work on a lot of old equipment. I don't, I, I usually don't think automatically like new unit, right? Not unless it's like yeah. falling apart. Cause I'm like, right. If it was, if it, if it's, in good condition, we can make it work. It's just like, yeah. what other factors are uh, causing your issue? Yeah. And it's a hard thing when the owner says, well, it was working before and now it's not. And you're, yeah. I mean, if you can trust your owner or the, the, the owner of the building or the operator, whoever's there, the occupant, um, then that's, that's a great tool. It's like, well, did it ever work? And then you kind of have to figure out whether they're telling you the truth or not. Yeah. But I like asking that salt. question before I start working on it. Because if you ask a question afterwards, after there's been problems and maybe they're not 100% satisfied, you may get a wrong answer. But if you show up and and before you even start doing anything, it's like, was there ever a time when you were comfortable in this house in the middle of summer, middle of winter? And the, you haven't done any work. They want to help you solve this thing. They're probably going to be less likely to, to hide it from you. And so that's good information. Occupants are there in that building day in, day out. I when you can utilize that in the right circumstances um, because they're going to know stuff that you're not going to be able to pick up on just as a tech yeah. showing up for the first that's, time or every that's a then. big that's a big part of it i tell people like you know ask those questions when you get there or, or try to figure out the story to it because yep. like in commercial I, I go to the like the cooks or the people that are handling mm -hmm. whatever equipment because they're the, they're going to be the first ones to complain like oh it wasn't working for like two weeks or it, yeah. it broke down today or, or whatever it may be. And then you tell them like, well, what, you know, tell me more or get the conversation mm -hmm. going. And then uh, they help you solve or, or kind of cut to the, the problem yep. more times than not. If you just have yeah. a good open conversation yep. with them. That's right. Um, I used to do work on laser 
chill, laser cutter chill, chillers, like at metal fabrication places. So the stuff that cuts out the stamps that you know makes yeah. all kinds of stuff made out of metal. And those things generate a lot of a lot of heat. Uh, and so they have a chiller that's attached to that laser cutter. Cutter. They talk to each other via PLC. So I'd go over there, and, and same thing. The the laser cutter operator he knows nothing about refrigeration air conditioning he knows nothing he just knows that it does this when i do that and it does this at this time of the day and when i was younger and sort of more cocky i was just like man this dude doesn't know what he's talking about he's just wasting my time <laughs> like yeah all right man I'll, I'll figure it out and you know, 14 callbacks later i started to realize and maybe i should pay attention because that dude is working day in day out on it he that machine is an extension of his anatomy and yeah. he knows what's going on. And uh, same thing with homeowners. Homeowners, especially people work more from home now. They're home all the time. They know when the weird smells happen and the rattle and the weird comfort problems. And listen to them. Um, but ask those questions early uh, before they become biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, I feel like I feel like we can go on and on about a lot of these yeah. uh, talking talking points I have here. But yeah. we're we're over an hour. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, yeah. I know you're on you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try and leave everything I can in the description so people can find you because I, I enjoy the content you put out because it's very informative and it's stuff that I'm not particularly good at and it's stuff that it's yeah. I feel like I feel like that that's that stuff, like you said, it's it's kind of hard to find, get good training on um, yeah. air quality and, and the um, design aspect of it and all that. So if you guys Anybody listening, watching, wants to go check out uh, Tim. I'll leave all the uh, stuff in the the show notes, description, all that good stuff. Um, is there anything you want to leave on? Uh, yes, before we get out of here, I do, and I am trying to find um, a website. So back in the symposium, uh, we started the Better HVAC movement, and okay. it's now starting to become more of a reality. People, there's a website. Um, um, uh, find the website yeah, tell right it. now. Tell uh, us more. But, I don't think yeah, I heard about so, that. Yeah, it's it's brand new. And what better HVAC is is a movement where we're gonna we're gonna get the good guys together, where we can learn from each other and where we can support each other, get the education that we need. People that want to be good players in the industry, they have a place where they can get that education. But also, it is a place for in the residential space the homeowner. Um, to uh, be able to also get educated because that's a part of this thing is that unfortunately our homeowners are being educated by the bad guys, by the, the bad players. Um, yeah. And so we want to try to change it. So then they appreciate the value of people that want to come in and diagnose things the right way using building science, using ethical sales, uh, science-based indoor air quality. And so the, the website is betterhvac.org. Um, and so you can take a pledge as a contractor, as a professional, that you're going to educate yourself. You're going to attend events that support that. And then that uh, eventually when that gets built out, homeowners will be able to find you. And so betterhvc.org is supported by Jim Bergman, MeasureQuick, uh, Bill Spohn, True Tech Tools, uh, people at Haven, Kevin Hart. These are the good guys. And yeah. they are using their limited resources towards something really important. So. Um, yeah, you can reach me at Tim Destazio HVAC. I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Same handle for all three. Uh, Tim Destazio at LinkedIn. There is a space between the DE 
and the S in Distasio, so it's D-E space okay. Stasio. Um, but please also check out um, betterhvac.org. I want as many people as possible to become the good guys. So that's like a, it sounds like a community type of deal. It is. It, sort of yeah. think about it as a community that is involved with HVAC uh, training symposium, HVAC school. Yeah. Okay. The same people are going to be found there. Um, and so this is unfortunately going to be good guys versus bad guys pretty soon with um, venture capital buying up companies and just turning yeah. um, technicians and, and good people into liars. We may not be able to change that, but we can create a pocket where the good guys can thrive and succeed and be be profitable and successful. So uh, just take take a look at that. And then this is the companies I mentioned, Metroquick, Haven, the Andrew Conservatory, Conduit Tech, being able to do a, a load calculation in seven minutes on your iPad by scanning the house. Um, these oh, yeah, are that's the, the other one guys. <laughs> yeah, check them out. Um, they're just, they're good people. They're good companies. They're doing things for the right reasons. Um, and let's create that community where we can succeed the right way. So thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate you getting a chance to, to riff with you. And yeah, you're right. We could talk about this stuff for hours. Yeah. I, um, I, I had to wife. start cutting my... <laughs> I had to start cutting my my shows down because I could talk for like two hours or so. And I'm like, yeah. I need to cut this down. So I try to time manage <laughs> a little bit better. But if anything, man, we, we can do this again. I really appreciate oh, uh, you coming on and and chopping it up here and talking about all the things that we talked about. I think, I think yeah. it was very informative. There's a lot of viewers that are residential. The guys that do industrial get a kick out of you starting out in that field too. So appreciate yeah. you for coming on, man. Man, awesome. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody uh, watching and listening, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you all next time.